Welcome to We Used to Be the Smart Kids. I'm Eric. I'm Carolyn. And today I have a surprise waiting for me. Carolyn has had me rush over on my lunch break so she can tell me about some media critique she has. Yeah, today we're raging. Okay, rage away. I'm here for it. So yesterday I texted you and asked if you could explain the Coen brothers to me because I just don't get them. Mm-hmm. This is that story. <laughs> <laughs> so Netflix has been recommending The Ballad of Buster Scruggs to me, mm-hmm. and I just stayed away from it because I know the Coen brothers are not for me. I've never gotten anything that they've made that I've watched. I came downstairs from putting the baby to sleep yesterday, and Mike was watching it. I don't know if you know this. It's an anthology. Do you know anything about this thing? I do not. Okay, so The Ballad of Buster Scruggs came out a couple years ago. I know about it because I heard a Fresh Air interview on it. This is the most Carolyn way to learn about anything. Mm-hmm. The whole thing takes place in the Wild West. It's like mm-hmm. very Coen Brothers. I don't even know what that means, but I also am convinced <laughs> that if I walked into any theater and they were playing a Coen Brothers film, I'd be like, ah, I know who made this. Because mm-hmm. it's like, well done, but I don't like it. <laughs> so... And it's an anthology piece. I don't know how many stories are in it because mm-hmm. I watched one and promptly went to bed. I was like, <laughs> and this is not worth it to me. So we're going to talk about that one. Okay. This is the only one I saw from beginning to end. It was called Meal Ticket. And okay. it starred the dude who played Dudley Dursley in the Harry Potter films. A classic actor. Go on. Right. Okay. So the story is this guy, Dudley Dursley, has no arms and no legs. He has one caretaker, and together they go around and put on shows in the Wild West. All he can do in this is he's an orator, and he performs speeches. Mm -hmm. So the curtain opens on their little traveling wagon circus thing, and he's center stage, no arms, no legs, strapped into a seat, and he starts performing a series of speeches. One of them is the Gettysburg Address. Mm -hmm. Frankly, I looked the other ones up. There's one from Merchants of Venice. Um, He does one from The Tempest. He does the story of Cain and Abel. Whatever. I'm sure that allegedly they have a deeper meaning, but like they don't improve the story if they do. (laughs) Like the speeches that he... Oh, it makes it worse. Okay. Anyway. Was it like a montage or did he go through them one after another? In the beginning, he does more of them. Like you see more of them, but usually they cut them together to create like a feeling okay so like this is one area where the coen brothers are actually really good they really understand the use of like film language to create a feeling so mm-hmm. there's four lines of dialogue in this entire thing and the rest is told without dialogue the only dialogue are the speeches and the mm-hmm. montages so like that okay cool as a piece of craft bravo yeah really well done also very well acted in addition to dudley dursley the guy who takes care of him is liam neeson mm. And the story focuses on their relationship. So you see him feeding Dudley Dursley. (laughs) I think he's called the artist. It's the artist and the impresario. Mm -hmm. So I will call them properly. I'm fine with just going with Dudley and the dude from Taken. I know, right? (laughs) So you see Liam Neeson feeding Dudley stew because obviously he has no arms and no legs. He can't Mm -hmm. eat. Put a pin in that. And then you see him like carrying Dudley on his back in a brothel so that he can go get some 
Yeah. And then they... Dudley or Liam Neeson? Liam Neeson. Oh. So he puts Dudley down like he's a hiking backpack, a giant hiking backpack. Mm -hmm. Then he goes to the prostitute. Hiking backpack is in the foreground. Liam Neeson and the prostitute are in the background. And then Liam Neeson comes to the foreground, turns Dudley around so he's looking at the camera Uh and goes back to the prostitute. And then they cut or they fade. I don't know. And then they come back in and... Liam Neeson and the prostitute are putting their clothes on. And these are the four lines of dialogue. The prostitute is like, do you want to buy some loving for your friend? Liam Neeson goes, no. The prostitute goes, something like, um, has he ever had any? And then Liam Neeson is like, yes. And you're like, oh, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. So then as they go on, their audience for their shows gets smaller until eventually they, Liam Neeson goes to pass the hat. There's only three people. And they don't get any money. Mm-hmm. And then Liam Neeson looks across the town and he sees this carnival barker with a chicken who can allegedly count. Okay. And he has a huge crowd of people and the people are all like really excited. Mm-hmm. So he goes over there. He watches them. The next scene you see him buying the chicken from the barker. Then there's a scene of him at the campfire and he has the chicken and he's feeding the chicken and Dudley Dursley with his no arms and legs are on the other side of the fire. You don't see him get his stew this time. So mm-hmm. like maybe he did, maybe he didn't. You don't really know. And then you see them driving in their wagon. Mm-hmm. Dudley Dursley's in the back of the wagon. Liam Neeson is in the front of the wagon. You've seen this scene before. So like it's it's done. They keep revisiting the same yeah. moments. So Dudley Dursley's in the back of the wagon. You see the chicken hanging in its little chicken cage. And mm-hmm. then we stop at a river. Liam Neeson goes... Throws a rock into the river. Rock disappears. Then he walks up to the back of the carriage with kind of a look on his face. Uh-huh. The next time you see him, he only has a chicken. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm picking up on this. I see what you're putting down. Yeah. This is the rage part, and I don't know how to be, like, <laughs> coherent about this, but it really pisses me off. Uh, th- th- do you want to say anything, or should I just keep going? I, I want to hear what you have to say. I've got my own Coen Brothers opinions, but I, I'm willing to listen to the rest of this rant. So I don't even necessarily want to go off on the Coen Brothers right now because I don't know enough about them. I frankly don't. I know that they don't. But the ableism in this, mm-hmm. like, I, I, I'm choking on my rage. I'm literally <laughs> choking on my rage. Because you know what? If you have no arms and no legs, you know what, what you would be? You'd be a great fucking metaphor for the rest of the world. Let's just <laughs> deny your humanity. You know what you cannot do? If you have no arms and no legs, because I can't imagine living like that, clearly you can do nothing. Yeah. I want to go back to the prostitute scene because this is when it really started to piss me off, Mm -hmm. where they imply that this man has no ability to do anything. Like he has no arms and no legs and therefore he can do nothing. So he just has to sit there while someone else has sex in the room with him. Yeah. Is is really you you can't imagine what someone with no arms and no legs could be doing you could fucking sing three blind mice try yeah. and get it up then seriously recite the alphabet just start talking about what you had for dinner explain your bowel movements like this is not they take a person with a disability they strip out the humanity and then they're just like look a caricature for us to use mm-hmm. and it's just it, I just, <laughs> it just shows such a giant empathy gap and it pisses me off and like the fact that he can't feed himself and he can do nothing for himself, mm-hmm. th- I just feel like that's not true. People adapt. He has a mouth and he could do things with his mouth. He could write with his mouth. I'm sure there's a way that he could feed himself. I don't know how because I have arms and legs. But that mm-hmm. doesn't mean that, that there isn't a person out there with no arms and no legs who just like is dragged around like a backpack. It's just, it's offensive. It's insulting. And yet 
I don't remember them talking about this when this movie came out. And when I did a very quick 10 second Google, because I didn't want to read about how people were like lauding this as an allegory, which they did. Mm -hmm. It's just not, it's not the initial reaction. Everyone is like, wow, this is deep. What is, (laughs) what is their relationship? What do the speeches mean? Clearly, clearly Dudley Dursley, he needs Liam Neeson, but he's just, he's just a, what do you call it when it's a heavy thing and you drag baggage? Baggage. He's yes. just baggage to Liam Neeson. No, <laughs> no, he's he's a person, mm-hmm. and just because you have a disability doesn't mean that you bring nothing to a relationship. They don't communicate around the campfire. Why the hell is he in the back of the wagon when they're just driving around the wild west? He can still have a conversation. Yeah. He is still good for companionship. He's good for so many things. He has the talent in the relationship. And Liam Neeson is, I mean, clearly Liam Neeson recognized him in that. Like, just calling him meal ticket is offensive to me. And then Mm -hmm. one review that I read, which granted was like in The Guardian, I think, or on Medium. It was bullshit. But he was like, I think it's like a father-son relationship. Isn't it so deep that he chose the chicken? No, it's not deep. It's offensive. (laughs) There's it's no depth capitalism. here. It's it's just messed up. He was like, it's like an allegory for art because Liam Neeson wanted to create an indie film and that was Dudley Dursley, but he had to make a blockbuster and that was the chicken. Dudley Dursley is a person, mm-hmm. number one. And number two, fuck you. Like his disability is not a metaphor for you to learn something about your life. It's, it's just his life and you mm-hmm. can go screw yourself, which Dudley Dursley would have to have an accommodative device to do. But he could screw himself if he wanted. Mm -hmm. He could have wants. He could have needs beyond stew. What you're seeing in that is my basic problem with Coen Brothers movies. It's every character is a punchline. There's like they're lauded for having these deep characterizations with things happening outside of the movie that are alluded to and whatever. But it's every character's driving towards a punchline, driving towards an end point that does not ring true to me. It's everything in purpose of the story and ignoring the emotion of anything that they do. I think they get away with that uh, by calling it a black comedy. Yes. <laughs> but I think you're, yes, that completely makes sense. Based on literally this and the few other things that I've seen by the Coen brothers, mm-hmm. there's very little humanity in any of this. Yes, which was delightful in their first movies when it was just a breath of fresh air but they haven't really i don't want to say grown since then what are their first movies oh oh brother where art thou i hated that film too i enjoyed it because george clooney is george clooney and he can imbue a role with almost anything he wants he's a delightful actor and his masterpiece is return of the killer tomatoes i appreciated them trying to do something cerebral but then they didn't go anywhere with it retelling the odyssey through depression era prisoner escape film i i like that idea i liked i enjoyed the execution but then it was just a one-trick pony from there on out it's hey look at these people saying clever things quickly that's aaron sorkin is that also the coen brothers aaron sorkin at least has emotion behind it right uh the coen brothers i feel like it's robots reciting lines Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I did. This is why I don't like them. Like what you said, they're very technically proficient. They know exactly what they're doing with what they have, but they're missing that one key thing that would make them complete masters of what I would enjoy. 
Nuance. Yes, nuance. Humanity. Also that. Feelings. Mm-hmm. I feel like watching a Coen Brothers movie, it's, yes, technically proficient, generally beautiful, but underneath all of it, it's just either, ha, we're all going to die, or doesn't that suck for that person? Mm-hmm. I don't want to watch two hours of that. I'm living that. <laughs> like, you're not giving me anything as art. Mm-hmm. You're just shitting on everybody else. It's just, it's a passing fart in the breeze, basically. It doesn't really stick with you. It's a somewhat pleasant way to spend two hours if you can just relax and let the dialogue wash over you. But it's... I don't... Okay, this is a serious point. Go. With the exception of, I want to say, The Big Lebowski, because I think that they did that. Mm -hmm. How is watching something like No Country for Old Men pleasant? It's like being dragged over sharp existential crises like the feeling of dread that they imbue, good for them. They can make me feel a lot of dread. Mm-hmm. Why do I want to experience that for two hours? Where, <laughs> where, and there's no release from it. There's no joy. Oh yeah, Burn After Reading was one of the most joyless movies I've ever seen. I've not seen it because <laughs> I just I see <laughs> like the they Coen end brothers. on the punchline of well, what did we learn from this? Not a goddamn thing. Okay, that's the point of the movie. Like literally, those are the words that are said except for the point of the movie thing. So I'm really thinking about this from a workshop standpoint Mm -hmm. because I feel like when I was writing many (laughs) moons ago, I was really good at making people think that there was a huge amount of backstory to what I was writing. Mm -hmm. And like the the relationships were super nuanced. Basically what people say about Meal Ticket, like I just want to know more about these people. Yeah, It's a trick though. I didn't know anything more about these people. I just knew how to make it look that way. Yeah. And I see the same thing in their films. Yeah, it's a lot of scaffolding with not a lot behind it. Right. And it's like if you know the trick, it's just not impressive. Mm -hmm. Because you're like, you you as the artist, and I'm speaking about myself, I guess, didn't do the work necessary to give this nuanced humanity and meaning. So ultimately, it's pretty to look at. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and you made me feel kind of shitty because that's an easy default feeling to give yeah. someone when you know how to do it. But there's nothing there. <sighs> I mean, I feel like a lot of their appeal is at least I'm not fucking that guy. Look at this scum of the earth. It's funny to watch them, but I'm not that person. Yeah, because shitting on disabled people is just great. Yeah. You know, it's really, you know what you're worth if you're disabled a meal ticket i know you're trying to broaden the conversation and i just keep going back no, and hammering no and it's, it's like fine 10 i minute... agree with you completely so i don't have anything to add there that's the problem and the fact that like that wasn't the thing that people talked about and maybe it was maybe maybe actually, you're missing the greater discourse on this maybe i was in the wrong circles to see it but i also feel like there shouldn't be a right circle for this like mm-hmm. this character was literally created for us to mock and, like, if you can't see that that's grossly offensive and disgusting, I mean, <laughs> his life is not a metaphor. It's, like, the opposite of inspiration porn, but it's still inspiration porn. Yeah. Like, it's desperation porn, as you said. At least I'm not that fucking guy. Well, screw you! At least you. I'm not Liam Neeson throwing away a perfectly good human for a chicken. That's... At least I'm not Liam Neeson having to deal with that guy. Yeah. I think that even though it was, like, a terrible thing that Liam Neeson did... In, in the one terrible, not legit review I read, he was like, but by the laws of the Wild West, this was kind of acceptable. Like, no, it's not. It's not <laughs> acceptable to throw a human being away. No. Like, And I don't think that that's a modern thing. We're going to go off on something that I learned go. from my really awesome friend. There is in the 
some museum somewhere and I don't want to use specifics because it's very possible that I'm wrong. And this is legitimately her anecdote. They found a burial of a guy, mm-hmm. okay, who's from, I want to say, the Stone Age, the Bronze Age, the Iron Age. Honestly, all of those blur together to me. I'm not a history person. I'm not many things. <laughs> not a math person, not a science person, not a history person. This guy had some kind of, I think he had like a disability, like his leg was, let's just say his leg was amputated. That's mm-hmm. not correct, but like, let's just say. Yeah. And his burial was set up where he was laid out and he had all of these like valuable things around him. Mm-hmm. And the people giving the tour were like, well, clearly this man was disabled. And so when he died, they just like threw him away and completely ignored the clues. And like, (laughs) did he die? And all of these valuable things just like fell around him perfectly laid out in beautiful order. Like, no, Mm -hmm. they did not. He clearly added value to the community and they cared about him and they buried him and gave him a burial Mm -hmm. when he passed away. It wasn't an amputation because, like, the bone had healed. Mm-hmm. So, like, clearly they had helped him heal and then, like, cared for him. Yeah. And, like, you don't just, like, oh, I guess I'm obligated to take care of you because I'll feel bad if I don't. Like, <laughs> that's not the way the disability works. What the hell is this? Like, these people are not just, like, a net loss on the community. This guy... Dudley Dursley was not a net loss on Liam Neeson. He was not the thing holding Liam Neeson back. Like, the only possibly nice thing you could say about this is that Liam Neeson clearly got had by the chicken barker because, like, the chicken couldn't do the skill that the chicken had. It was, like, a trick. And Liam Mm -hmm. Neeson stupidly bought the chicken. So, like, maybe you're like, oh, you threw away your pseudo-son for a chicken because you're dumb. But, like, what story is that then? Like, if that's the story, why wasn't that the turning point? Why didn't we see the regret that he felt? Like, why did we just end on him with his chicken? It doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I have to read the nuance and the story and the emotion into that. That's not in the story. The story is about how he freed himself from it. Okay, that's that's an unfair representation. <laughs> he was conflicted about literally murdering someone. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to link this to the greater Cohen Brothers filmography, but I'm losing my words at this point it's you can can just be mad with me about how the fact that like disabled characters are used in media as oh absolutely allegories or like Mm -hmm. you know whatever they get no representation and if they do get representation it's about how they need to do something to overcome their disability that happens but actually think more often is if they get representation it is about how their disability causes an able-bodied person in the story to to do or learn something or to suffer and suffer in this case yeah yeah it's in service to the able-bodied uh main character or audience insert like there's no conclusion to draw here it's just a bullshit thing that happens and you it caught you on a day where you're like no no i'm not just gonna stop ignore this and go past it and just be mad about it i'm gonna talk about it i'm gonna say some shit it doesn't help that this morning i woke up and my eyes really hurt Mm -hmm. and then i was like oh well i guess just throw me in the river what good am i just murder me can't bring any help to anyone oh i'm sorry squinty (laughs) just kill me and don't even show my death scene just fade to black Mm -hmm. just imply it that that is also that is also a trick that you use to imply depth though there's the only it's a it was a really long fade to black and it was a point of view shot and it like kind of mirrored this other shot when the guy was in the snow and like enjoying the snow moment Mm -hmm. like like they did a lot of callbacks it's really good craft but there is no actual nuance Mm -hmm. but the fade to black and the callbacks make you think that there is like 
you're you're gilding a turd. <laughs> it's still a turd, though. I'm like, I feel like this is why we need better education. Okay, now we're. Cl- I mean, if I'm whining about media education, we've clearly beaten the dead horse. <laughs> All right, this rage-filled half hour has been. We used to be the smart kids. I'm Carolyn. I'm Eric. I'm gonna go murder someone now. Just not if they're harmless or legless to the river. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Our intro music is from Tim Beak. You can find him at timbeak.com. And our outro music is by One Man Symphony. And you can find them at onemansymphony.com.